Okay, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here today. So glad for all of you to join us in worshiping God, and we're going to keep learning about him as we dive into his word this morning. We're going through this series called People Are Asking, where we've asked you to submit questions, and we're taking some of the most popular ones, and we're trying to explore from God's word what can we learn about these difficult, challenging questions that we often wrestle through in our life. And today, we're going to be talking about prayer and specifically unanswered prayer and diving into that question a little bit more. And I've got a personal story about this that many of you have heard before, so I won't go into but just to remind you of a situation that happened in my life with my wife and I about seven, eight years ago, um, Jenny was pregnant with twins and we were in the second trimester and we thought we were home free and everything was good. And then we lost those two babies and that was devastating for us. But what was really, really devastating about it, and if you've heard our story, you, you know this already, is that we had prayed for their health and their safety every single day. And so when it came to the point where we lost them, it felt like a huge betrayal. Like everything we'd been praying for with good motives, with right hearts every single day, all that prayer, like, was that just worthless? Why would God not answer our prayers for something that was clearly such a good, wonderful, beautiful thing? Why would he just devastate our family in that way? And I'll bet many of you can relate to that. I bet many of you have had times where you have been praying for something and the answer that you got back was not good or you felt like it just went unanswered and there's radio silence from God and you're not sure what to make of that. And that's a really challenging thing for us to wrestle with, which is why I think this question was submitted. The question is, why isn't God answering my prayers? Why isn't God answering my prayers? I'm not going to make anybody raise your hand, but I'll, I'll bet that if, if we were to ask, has anybody ever struggled with that, would see hands going up all over the place because all of us have probably wondered at some point, why isn't God answering my prayers? Now, there is a standard answer to this, which you've probably heard before. God always answers prayers. He just does it one of three ways, right? And what are those three ways? He either says yes, or he says no, or he says what? Wait. Yeah. Okay. So good. You've heard it. Yes, no, or wait. And that's a good answer. That's a true answer, but it's not fully satisfying with, with what's behind this question is the idea that, yeah, but, but hasn't God promised to answer my prayer the way I want when I ask with faith, when I believe, when I trust Aren't there, aren't there passages in the Bible that talk about this, where if I believe hard enough, strong enough, if I have enough faith, and, and I've heard pastors teach this, so isn't God supposed to, if I have enough faith, to answer my prayers that way? And of course, it's a devastating thing when that doesn't happen, because then we think, it was my faith. You know, I'm praying for a loved one that's sick with cancer, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and I believe God for healing, and then they pass away. Was it my fault? Did I not have enough faith? This can be a really difficult burden for us to carry around. We start to actually feel guilt because maybe I didn't pray enough or hard enough or long enough or with enough faith. And what are we supposed to do with that? That's the question we want to dig into today. Now, I want to take you to a few places in Scripture that really highlight the difficulty of this question. And they're all in the Gospels. Because in the four Gospels, Jesus makes some statements about prayer that make it sound like whatever you ask for, you're going to get it, at least if you have enough faith. So let's look at that for a minute. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says this, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. That sounds fairly clear there. 
we jump over to the gospel of Mark, we read, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will be, it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So you can see where this idea would come from. Then he says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it's already yours or it will be yours. Luke chapter 11. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Maybe you just haven't asked long enough. But if you ask long enough, there's a threshold. There's a quantity. You get to that point and then boom, God's going to grant it to you. That's what it sounds like. So I tell you, keep on asking. You will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. You will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. In John's gospel, chapter 14, he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In the next chapter, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And then in chapter 16, Jesus says, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. It's like that magic key that just sort of unlocks the genie in the bottle. You use Jesus name and boom, you'll have whatever you want. Jesus says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Do you know what that all sounds like to me? That sounds like better than Oprah, right? Like you get a car and you get a new car and you get a new car and you're going to get whatever you want. And Jesus said it. We just read those scriptures. I mean, how do you not see that whatever you ask for, you're going to get? And if you don't get it just because you didn't have enough faith or you didn't believe that you would receive it, that's what Mark 11 said. But if that's what God promises, then why didn't he keep my babies alive? If that's what God promises, then why is he not answering some of your prayers the way that you would like God to? How are we supposed to understand this when what Jesus said seems so clear? Isn't faith is supposed to be that magic key that unlocks that genie in the bottle and then you can ask for whatever you want, including more wishes? And God's just supposed to give you whatever you want. So is that what this really teaches? Or is there something more going on here? So the real question I want to answer today isn't just why isn't God answering my prayers, but why isn't God answering my prayers the way I want him to? Why isn't he answering my prayers the way I want him to? And it would probably be a mistake if we entered a message like this without starting with prayer. It'd be a big miss. So if you would bow your heads with me, God, we ask for your wisdom today to help us understand what are some challenging teachings from the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. And these were recorded for us in the Gospels, so we know that they are true and they are important, but sometimes they can be challenging for us to understand, especially when we just kind of pick out these verses here. And Lord, I, help, I pray that you would help us to have a really fresh understanding of your word and what you teach about prayer this morning so that we can use it this week. So we can understand it better when we're praying to you about things that really matter to us and grieve us deeply or are very important to us. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. So several years ago, I was in a different state at a different church and I was working with an inner city church and we had done some work of people from my church. We had a team together. We kind of renovated their church building and we were trying to help them in ministry and, and we were starting to get to know them better. And uh, it was an existing partnership that, we, that I kind of inherited before I got there. And I wanted to find out, um, is, this a, is this a good church that we're partnered with? What are they teaching? So I went there for a service. And I sat through the service. And the pastor 
Um, he was okay. He didn't really use much scripture. It was very, very energetic, very lively in his message. But then he got to his gospel presentation at the end. His gospel presentation went exactly like this. What is it that you need in your life right now? Do you need a new house? Do you need a new job? Do you need a new car? What is it that you need right now? Because if you come to Jesus and you have enough faith, he's going to give it to you. So what do you need? Come to Jesus today. Give your life to him. Have enough faith. And you're going to get that new job. You're going to get Jesus is going to get you a new house. He literally said those words. Jesus is going to get you a new car. Jesus is going to get you a new job. Now, the room at this point was very excited, except for one person, me sitting in the back going, mm -mm, I don't think that's how that works. We had to end our partnership with that church because of what they were teaching. But this is a common understanding that a lot of people have, and it's taught in some churches that way, that if you have enough faith, Jesus is going to get you whatever you want. He said it. We read it earlier. So what's really going on there? What, what happens then when you believe that and it doesn't happen the way you want it to? Well, it can rock your whole understanding of God and of faith and of prayer and the power of prayer and the purpose of prayer. I mean, if you actually believe that God has to give you whatever you want, if you ask the right way with enough faith and then it doesn't happen, it can, it can shock your faith in the whole system and make you think, well, maybe none of this is real. Maybe I'm not going to, maybe I shouldn't even bother anymore. Why do I even pray? You know, I pr I've heard this from so many people. I prayed for years for this to happen and it didn't happen, so I don't even pray anymore. I want to talk about that today. I want us to explore what that looks like. Now, the idea that I should be able to get whatever I want and that God somehow needs to make it happen or allow for that to happen is, is really, it's, it's, it's the root of, of selfishness and of arrogance and of pride to think that I should just be able to get whatever I want. And of course, I know what's best. For me in my life. And so I should just be able to get that. It's the oldest lie in the book. It's, it's what Satan tempted Eve with. You should be able to have that fruit. Actually, God's trying to keep something good from you. You should have that. It's what Jesus was tempted with when Satan took him up on the mountain and said, look at these kingdoms of the world. I have control over them. I can give that to you. I can give you what you want. I want you to have what you want to have. And it's this self-centered idea of I should be able to have what I want to have. And it, it almost sounds like when you listen to those words of Jesus pulled out of those gospels, that that's what he's saying too. I should be able to get what I want. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take what I think is the most challenging passage in Mark chapter 11. The others, there are some explanations for that you can see right in the, the chapters that they're nestled in. But this one in Mark 11 is probably the most difficult one. It's Mark 11, 23. Let me read it to you again. And then let's just explore a little bit about why this might be said this way. Uh, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. How do we understand this text? The first thing I want to point out to you is that these gospel messages that were given to us are, are missing some important context. They are. They're missing some context. So we're going to ask a question here. Number one, what is the context that may be included in other scriptures? So what do I mean by the Gospels are missing important context? You know, God didn't just give us one Gospel. He gave us four. If you only ever read one Gospel, that's great, but you are missing context that the other Gospels provide. In fact, God didn't stop there, but he didn't just give us the four Gospels. He then gave us the letters, the epistles. 
that follow from the disciples who learned the teachings of Jesus, the same teaching we hear in the Gospels, but then they add clarification and more detail and more explanation from people who were actually there and actually heard him teach it. In fact, you know what? The Gospels are missing a lot of what Jesus did and said. We're actually missing a lot of context there. I mean, everything there is true and good, but they're actually summaries of what Jesus did. Jesus may have taught for several hours that day, and we might get a paragraph out of it. A summary that's given to us that Jesus actually said, but we're missing some other things that he may have also taught that day or that week or as they were walking to the place where they were going. We're missing some of that stuff. One of my favorite places where this is illustrated is the end of of John's gospel when he says, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that were written. There's a lot that we are missing from Jesus' life and teaching. You know, there's a point in the scriptures where Jesus, after he's risen from the dead, he walks with the two men on the road to Emmaus. You probably know the story. And for the longest time, they don't know who it is. And then it's revealed who he is. And Jesus walks through the Old Testament scriptures, the Bible says, and explained to them all the things that pertain to himself, how all the Old Testament scriptures pointed to Jesus in different ways. And you know what? We still have no idea what he actually told them. There is a ton of teaching from Jesus that nerds like me just drool over and go, oh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew what Jesus told them, but I I don't know. There is teaching out there that's waiting to be discovered. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be all sorts of stuff that we learn and go, wow, that's amazing. But some people have heard it in the past. Jesus has shared some of those things with different people. So there is context that we are missing. We have to remember that when we're reading any of these passages in the gospel. And that's why... We have to look to the whole of Scripture. We have to open up and look at other parts of Scripture. What, how did Jesus' disciples take this teaching to Mark 11? When they heard Jesus say this, what were they thinking that meant? We can actually find that out. Because we can go to their writings about prayer and about asking God for things, and we can learn from what they had to say. How did they understand this to, to mean? Is there a context here? Is there a qualification here? Is there some context to the teaching that I might be missing? And that's what we want to look at. We'll start with James. James, the brother of Jesus. James, the senior pastor of the church in Jerusalem, the champion of the faith, early father in the church. He says this, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Man, that sounds just like Mark 11, right? You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. If you just ask him for it, you'd get it right? So just ask him and you'll get it, whatever you want, right? No, read on. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because why? Your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. See, there's a qualification. There's there's a bit of context that may have been present when Jesus gave this message in Mark 11. The disciples may have understood the context that he was speaking in, but James is telling us sometimes prayer requests may be rejected because of bad or selfish motives. That's point number two. Prayer requests may be rejected because of bad or selfish motives. That's one of the caveats of this. If we move on to 1 John, here's John, a disciple of Jesus, someone who was there for the teachings of Jesus, heard all of this about prayer. What did he write? He said, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, We also know that he will give us what we ask for. Again, sounds just like Mark 11, doesn't it? We know that he hears us when we make our request. We know he will give us what we ask for. Awesome. Just rub the lamp and here's what I want. Here are my wishes, God. But go back one verse earlier. And what does he say in verse 14? 
He says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Or some versions would say anything that's according to his will. It's the same type of translation there. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that's according to God's will, anything that pleases him. And then he goes on to say, and since we know he hears us when we make our requests. So this is after that. We also know he will give us what we ask for. See, there's that qualification there of you have to be asking for something that pleases God that's according to his will. And so number three is prayer requests may be rejected if they're not within God's will. Now, we might ask at that point, well, how do I know what's in God's will? How do I know what pleases him? And the answer to that is sometimes we don't. We don't always know what's in God's will. That shouldn't keep us from asking. We know generally what God's will is from the Bible, but there may be times where we think we understand what the will of God must be in this situation, and God realizes, no, I've got other plans entirely. God is saying, I know you think that's my will, but actually I'm working out something totally different here, and you can't even see what's going on. So we have to ask according to God's will, understanding that we may not even fully understand as we're asking, this may not be within God's will. And that's an important clarification as well. And it brings us to another point, which is in Matthew chapter seven. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is speaking to his new disciples. It's new disciple orientation. He's teaching them about prayer. And here's what he says. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. There it is again. Sounds like this great promise of whatever you want. Ask for it. You're going to get it. Keep on asking. You'll receive what you ask for. He says, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be open. Sounds good, Jesus. But then he says this. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, I've done a whole teaching on this in the past, actually a couple of times. So I'm not going to go into a big exposition of it here. I'm going to give you the punchline. God gives good gifts to his children. God does not give bad gifts to his children. See, Jesus is saying, if you're asking for something good, God's not going to give you something bad. But we can learn a little something from this too, which is there are times when we may ask for something that we think is bread and it's actually a stone. We may ask God for something that we think is fish, but it's actually a snake. And who knows better what's best, us or God? We have to recognize God doesn't give bad gifts to his children. He gives good gifts to his children. You know, last week, um, my kids wrapped up their swimming season. And they've been part of swim team, Jackson and Adeline. Ari's too young still. But every time they have a swim meet, and they had two this week, actually. They had their regular meet on Monday, and then they had the conference yesterday. And on Monday, every time we do a swim meet, they're, they're usually in, you know, three, four, five different types of, of swimming that they'll do throughout the night. And our deal is, I don't know if this is good parenting or not. You can decide for yourself. But the deal is that if you break a personal record, you get to buy a snack from the snack bar, Okay. For some reason, they both went through growth spurts or something, and like every single time they swam was a new personal best. And so they got to go back to the snack bar and, you know, buy some carrots or celery or something, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. It was Skittles and Airheads and, and uh, Bomb Pops and all the, all the bad sugary stuff you could have. I mean, it was just sugar, sugar, sugar all night long. They get up the next morning, they go to swim practice, and what do they get there? Big ice pops and cans of soda. 
they get at swim practice. So now in 12 hours, they have had more sugar than they probably would normally have in a week. And that night at dinner, my little six-year-old daughter, Adeline, she finishes off her food. She looks up at me with those big puppy dog eyes and says, Daddy, can I please have dessert? With a facial expression that can only be described as absolutely assuming the answer is going to be yes. This question is just a formality. How cute I am right now, I'm going to get dessert. And I look back at her with the love of a father and smile and say, no. (laughs) And her face shifts in a split second from that happy, eager anticipation of that sweet treat to just a scowl. But why? Because why wouldn't dessert only be a good thing? Why wouldn't more sugar only be a good thing for me? I know it's right before bedtime, but that's even better because then I can stay up later. How could dessert not possibly be a good thing for me to have? And yet I know what she doesn't know, that that's actually not good for her right now. And see, here's the thing. There are times where you go to God in prayer, I promise you, and his response to your request is, finally. I've been wanting to do this for you, but I've been waiting for you to ask. That's what James 4 teaches us. You don't have because you don't ask. There are good things that God wants to do for you, but he's waiting because he wants you to invite him into the process. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to come and rely on him and trust in him. And so he says, finally, I've been waiting for you to ask. I want to do this for you. I've just been wanting you to reach out to me. There are other times where we make a request of God And his response is, that's not in my will. That does not please me to do that because that's actually not something, that's not a part of the plan that I have here. And so he's going to reject that prayer request because he has something else in mind. And there are times when, according to Matthew 7, I believe that you will come to God and you will ask for something and God's response is going to be, that's not a good gift. You think it is. You think that's good for you but it's not good for you. And I know that. And I'm not going to give you a snake when, when you think it's a fish. I'm not going to give you a stone when you think it's bread. You don't know what a good gift is for you, but I'm your heavenly father. I give good gifts. You think it's good for you to have that thing, but you don't know what that's going to do. You think it's good for me to heal that person, but you don't know what else I'm working on here. And so those I think are some of the reasons why we sense unanswered prayer as a big problem in our lives. And yet, according to God's word, there may be really good reasons why God is saying No, and we just can't understand it. So number four is prayer requests may be rejected if they're not a good gift. One of the things we've been doing in this series, which has really been fun, is to take as part of that kind of application time and invite some people on stage to do a panel discussion about this topic. So I've invited three people. You can go ahead and come on up here and be a part of this panel discussion. We're going to go a little bit deeper and ask them some questions about how this applies in their lives as they're doing that. Let me just share some closing thoughts here. I think the beautiful thing about Matthew chapter 7 is that Jesus does say, keep on asking. Keep on seeking, keep on knocking. I want you to keep asking for these things. But at the same time, in the very next couple of verses, he says, remember, I give good gifts to my children. The father gives good gifts to his children. When we pick out one verse from the gospels and and we try to build our teaching all around that without taking into account the rest of scripture, we can walk away with some pretty messed up ideas. But when we look at the whole Bible and what it says about a particular topic, we can start to piece it together and say, okay, 
There is a very good chance that Jesus' teaching on prayer in Mark 11 and, and those other passages that we went through was received in the context of, yeah, but not for the bad stuff. You can't pray that God's going to go kill your neighbor because he runs his lawnmower late at night or something. Like there was some understanding there that the disciples had that we just miss out on because it's a summary. But when we read the rest of the Bible, we go, okay, there are some, exp there are some qualifications here. There are some other things we need to understand that they clearly did not walk away with the impression, Jesus is saying, God's going to give us whatever we want, guys. Let's go ask for a million dollars. Like that's clearly not what they walked away with. So that's clearly not what Jesus was teaching there. There were some qualifications to what he was saying. But still, I think it's important to remember this shouldn't keep us from asking. Because as James said, you have not because you ask not. And so what I want to leave you with during this portion of the message time is that there are some things God wants to do for you if you will but ask him and involve him in that process. But at the same time, understand his answer might be no or it might be wait. And we have to trust him with that because he knows better than we do. I hope that's helpful for some of you out there. And maybe what's going to be even more helpful is digging into some questions with these guys up here. So let me introduce you to them. Let's start off over here. Introduce yourself, how long you've been at First Free and what you've been doing at the church. Um, Todd Tabor, we have been here since 2015, so seven years. Um, <clears throat> we're both involved in the Connections ministry, so actually Aaron and I saw each other for the first time in the Connections class. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we're also involved in a small group. We call it the Thomas Small Group. <laughs> Props to you. Um, and, and various ministries, uh, Pinecrest, so on and so forth. So. Hi, um, I'm Amber Miller. Been going here about 10 or 11 years, and I'm involved in MOPS, which is Moms of Preschoolers. I just started with the Connections Ministry, and we're also in a small group. Hi, my name is Aaron Shi. Uh, my wife Lois and I started coming to this church uh, in uh, 2020, uh, and last year we attended the Connections uh, class, and from that class, we learn uh, much more about E3 and the people in that group. And we have been coming ever since. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and this is a challenging topic for us and sometimes a very raw topic for us. So I really appreciate your vulnerability and being willing to, to sit up here and, and share with everybody your thoughts. I want to start with a question about unanswered prayer, maybe that you've experienced in your life. And Aaron, maybe with you, have you ever had a time where you've experienced uh, prayer that you, you felt was unanswered anyway, and, and how did that go for you? Yes, I do. Um, after my wife uh, became a Christian, uh, we, uh, we had uh, been praying for her best friend's salvation. Um, they've been, they have been friends since uh, junior high. So, and then it, during the 90s, uh, her friend moved from Taiwan to San Francisco. We went there and visited her and presented the gospel to her. She did not accept the gospel, so we continued pray, prayed for her uh, for more than a decade. Um, so we prayed that God would use circumstances and Christians around her to show her God's light. Um, so when, so when she, after some years later, uh, her friend moved back to Taiwan. 
And we went there, vis visited her again. And this time we have learned that she became a Christian and she, she named, she gave herself an English name, which is Grace. Um, so while we were there, we had a chance to uh, meet more of Lois's uh, classmates. This time, Grace and us presented the gospel together to them. Although none of them accepted the gospel, uh, Grace uh, reminded us and encouraged Lois and I that uh, by saying, remember more than 20 years ago, you two has presented the gospel to me and I did not accept it then. Um, we will just need to continue to pray for them and give them time to digest. That's good, that's good. Amber, what about you? Any stories of unanswered prayer or times where you struggle with that in your life? Yeah, I do. Um, so a couple years ago, I had a miscarriage and um, leading up to that, my husband and I had been trying for a while to get pregnant with a second child. And we prayed month after month and felt like that was a good thing. And it just took a really long time. Um, so that was a hard time of unanswered prayer. Um, in March of 2020, I found out that I was pregnant and I went into the heartbeat appointment. And it was there that we got some bad news. They didn't see a heartbeat. And from there, it was just a bad litany of appointments. Um, and a couple years later, or a couple weeks later, it resulted in us losing the child. Um, that was really hard. I felt like we had prayed and prayed and surrendered that to God, and He had answered it, and it was a blessing and a gift from Him. And when we lost the child, it honestly felt like kind of a cruel joke of why would you even get us excited about this? Um, and to make matters worse, I didn't hear from God for several months after the miscarriage. I was angry, but I, I felt like maybe I was owed an explanation. Maybe God would give me some clue as to what he was doing and what was going on, maybe some answers, or at the very least, like a very special, like divine, <laughs> I still love you, Amber, I'm on your team, some kind of signal like that. Um, and I was getting a lot of silence, and that was hard. So as I began to heal, I entered into counseling journey with a trusted counselor and um, time passed and I started working through the grief and he started to change my perspective that he wasn't just sitting there silent with me, but he was giving me space. Um, he was giving me space to feel angry. He was giving me space to have doubts and to question my relationship with him. And he was also giving me space to grieve because there's nothing that he could have done. There was no quick fix. And that's kind of what I wanted him to offer me was a quick fix where I would feel better. And there isn't that when you lose a child. So I saw that the space was actually God journeying through the grief with me. Um, and the counseling was amazing. If you haven't done counseling, I really do recommend it. Um, so I just really am so thankful. We don't have answers. We don't know why we lost the child. Um, that's probably something I won't know. But I do know that in the midst of really hard times and in the midst of grief, I have a God who journeys with me, who gives me space, and who walks with me. Thank you, Amber. That's a big deal to share about something like that, too, and I really appreciate you 
being willing to do that. Todd, have you ever had a, a time where you uh, have struggled to, to trust in God in the middle of unanswered prayer? And I guess more specifically, what I want to know is how, how, what have you found that's been helpful to you when trusting in God for what seems like unanswered prayer? Sure. I think going back, I was saved at 24, so I was, you know, I had started praying because I had been, you know, those passages you hear even before you're a Christian of all the, the promises of asking you shall receive, those, those things were already in my brain. So I started praying for things that were important to me, but not necessarily big things. And God was answering those prayers and really got in the habit of, I can go to God as a father and ask him for things. And he would give them. And it was, you know, some days it's a, a good parking spot when it's raining, other days it's bigger things. But, um, Eventually, I think I started to be like, I've kind of got the formula figured out here. I think I know how to ask, use a little King James English, I beseech you, O Lord, you know, and, and, and <laughs> there, there, was, there was a more, you know, it seemed more likely that he would answer. And then um, I remember praying about, Lord, I, I know there's areas in me that aren't Christ-like. Uh, you know, I had enough awareness to know that. Will you break me, remake me, and so on and so forth, which in my mind was going to be, well, Maybe tomorrow morning, next morning, I'll wake up and I'm like, I'm oh, more like Jesus. This is cool. Um, in reality, eventually, and, and this is, again, when I'm probably 25, by the time I'm 30, um, I hit a season of exhaustion, depression, anxiety, and just I'm wiped out. I have my own business at the time, and um, I had to stop and live off savings and just try and, like, what has happened here? And so I remember praying that, and I had prayed that for a long time, but then I had this experience of like, man, the lights just went out. I don't hear from God. I don't sense his presence. This can't be an experience that somebody who follows Jesus would experience. It doesn't, this doesn't add up, you know, which, you know, looking back now, it was, it was limited understanding, but for sure. But um, it caused me, I think, to one, become really acquainted with, when you have a stripping down moment like that, where uh, there's a tragedy or there's, there, you know, life just really goes sideways, you, you become more aware of like, oh, what, what I'm seeing now in my heart, this is me. This is the truth of what's going on in there. And this is what God sees and God loves, amazingly, um, because it's real. It, the other stuff, the flowery stuff, the, that's, that stuff isn't necessarily even me. We're making that up. Long story short, to, to get to the, your question, I think it was the beginning of a journey of crying out in ways I'd never had before to God, to questioning everything, because what was a pretty simple transactional, no, I, I, I know you are, Lord, I know you rose from the dead, you know, the, 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 the part of becoming a Christian um, wasn't confusing, this was confusing, and this caused me to really go back into scripture and dig like crazy, and you know, wrestle with, Lord, if I was praying this, and this is where I'm at, a Christian shouldn't even experience this in my mind. Um, so it started an honest dialogue with the Lord of like, I am broken, and I need you, and yeah. So uh, I think the lesson learned, the thing that helped, I didn't have community at the time. Um, I just moved back from Dallas uh, a year or two before, and man, I need a community. And so since then, that has been a massive priority. And I think, you know, then became counseling and then I'm gonna go to seminary and try and figure out who is this God and what is happening kind of thing. And so it started a chain reaction of events that were really transformative, but mm -hmm. I could not see that there was anything good that could come out of that at the time. That's a really good point about community and something we haven't touched on yet today is that um, 
when you are going through a difficult time and you do feel like, where is God in all of this and why isn't he answering my prayer? To have other people of like-minded faith who can gather around you and support you and pray with you and, and even hear your venting a little bit in frustration and, and walk through that with you can be such a good thing. I know for me, being in a small group has been a huge help because we've walked through some really tough stuff together and to have those people that you know you can trust and you can share with authentically and transparently, it really does help you to increase your faith in God in those times and help you to get through those difficult times. And so I, I just wanna interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for this brief public service announcement, which is if you're not part of a group, you need to get into some kind of a group here, whether it's a Sunday morning group or a small group, you can go to efree.org slash groups and see what is out there. But not all of them are on there either um, because some of them you really need to to talk with our staff to find out if this is a good fit for you or not, and they're trying to align people with the right groups. So, you know, feel free to reach out if you want to get into a community, but it's so important to help us through some of those difficult times in life. It's what the Bible tells us to do, to bear each other's burdens, to pray for each other. Uh, well, th that, that can't happen unless you've got people that you're actually getting close with and building good relational trust with. So just wanted to, to share that with everybody in case you don't have that right now. It's so important. Amber, when is a time that you have had God answer a prayer request, no, and you've later realized that was a good thing? I think when you get the chance to look back in hindsight and see that, it's a true gift from God. I think that that is something that builds faith because normally when we get a no or um, we have to wait, we don't know why and we don't see why. We just have to rely on that. Um, but I did have a time where that happened and 10 years later, I got a glimpse of why. Um, right after college, I went on a mission trip overseas to Argentina. And while we were there, our goal was to build relationships with the homeless and to teach English in a nearby slum. And the trip was going really well. About halfway through, my team was robbed at knife point. And that was a really scary experience, and it really kind of shook us to the core. And from there, I experienced a lot of fear and anxiety that sometimes felt crippling at times, and I felt like it was maybe compromising my effectiveness. I was a little more guarded and a little more on the lookout than I was before that. Um, so I prayed a lot. God, I'm trying to serve you. I, I really want to do this well. I want to, want to build these relationships. Would you please just take away this fear and anxiety? Just take it from me so that I can do my thing. And he didn't. So we finished out the trip and I came home. So if you fast forward five years later, I got a job where I had the privilege of working with at-risk students in a school setting. And a lot of the students had, they lived in communities with um, sometimes shootings or violence or robberies. And, you know, as I grew in relationship with them and felt a desire to protect them and, you know, be involved in their communities, that started to trigger some of my unresolved fear and anxiety in the form of flashbacks and different things like that. And again, I was in the same situation. I was like, oh God, I'm trying to, um, this is getting in the way of, what I want to do. Um, and again, he didn't take it from me. So at that point, I entered counseling. <laughs> and um, 
I thought I would be in counseling for maybe three sessions to process through the robbery. And what started off as three sessions ended up as two years, maybe <laughs> three years. And we went way beyond my experience in Argentina. We processed through relationships, life, and all the ways that I needed to heal that I had no idea about. And that counseling was such a huge gift to me. It's affected the way that I parent. It's affected my marriage and my relationships. So God really let that anxiety and fear kind of drive me to counseling because it's not something that I would have pursued had I not had like a very serious, distinct reason as to why. Yeah, that's neat. Some, some good that came out of a no in that. Aaron, same question for you. Have you ever had a time when you realized later it was good that God did not answer your prayers the way you wanted him to? Yes, I do. <clears throat> um, in 2003, I lost my job. Uh, I was without work for 14 months, and um, uh, I was the sole provider of my family, and it was one of uh, the most stressful time of my life. Uh, it feels like God is not answering to my requests. So during those 14 months, um, my daily tasks were uh, pray in the morning and send resumes to companies and then spend time with my family. Um, I also walk outside daily to just to relieve my stress. Uh, during my walk, I have noticed the beautiful blue skies um, and birds singing, and which I have never noticed God's creation that way in the past. Um, so um, God also used those 14 months uh, during the walk. Um, he recalled many verses to me just to help me release, release my stress and to focus on him instead. Um, so that, that was an interesting time uh, because in the middle of a storm, I feel this peace, but majority of the time, I still feel pretty stressful. Um, so, but because of that time, uh, God used that, those 14 months um, to, to help me um, um, yeah, uh, God used those uh, 14 months to, to just try to mold me uh, to uh, how he likes it. Um, so now, uh, after some years, well, that was the time that my spiritual journey took a turn. Um, I started to build a deeper relationship with God. Um, so after some years later, I, when I reflect on what has, God has done, I realized God uh, actually used those 14 months to answer a prayer uh, prior to my job loss, which my prayer was to uh, know, about, know more about God, and uh, I would like to have a deeper relationship with God. 
So you had competing prayer requests and didn't know it. Yes. God, I want to grow closer to you. God, I want a new job. And God says, well, I'm going to answer one by not answering the other. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and I wonder how often God does answer our prayer requests with a wait, I want to teach you something response. And we get so focused on the request in our current situation that we neglect the fact that what is God trying to teach me right now in the middle of my need or, or this difficult situation? A last thing before we close today is just a question for each of you. If someone is here or watched online and they're struggling right now with something going on in their life that they're praying about and it just does not seem like God is listening or answering the way they would like, do you have any advice you could give to them? I think persevere. And when I say that, I mean, I think I was being encouraged at a certain season time in a time in my life of being honest with the Lord of the disappointment I was experiencing of the sense of betrayal of the, uh, because to me, a prayer time was something you kind of put your request before God and kind of move back away and just kind of wait and watch. And there wasn't any back and forth. And I think as, as time went on, when I was going through a time of, you know, really strong depression and anxiety, um, you know, you kind of try and be a good boy about that. Like, you're, okay, I'm, I'll just be, I'll be good over here. When God would see my, I'm being good and really trying, he's going to do this. And like, I, I think once that wore off and like, this isn't working, then there's the anger and you're like, okay, God, what's up? This, you know, this is not the way it should work. Starting to have an honest conversation with him of my disappointment, of my sense of betrayal, of my confusion, um, was a good, because that deepened the relationship. And I saw him give me space, as you mentioned, Amber, to question, to doubt, to wrestle, to challenge, uh, hopefully in appropriate ways, but there's sometimes it was pretty raw, you know? And his character, because he had every reason, you know, I'm God and you're not, and I, I can smote you. Um, he didn't, and he gave me a lot of grace to build a relationship with him that only comes from being honest. Every relationship's gotta have honesty as its foundation. And I realized, man, I haven't been honest with God maybe ever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was a very um, painful but necessary start of a new journey of being a little more raw, or a lot more raw probably, uh, that still, I mean, I, I, I will take all the, the pain of that season because it pushed me out of a, a very immature, selfish, myopic place mm. that, uh, you know, I think I would, yeah, I'm, 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 I can bless that now, even though it was hard, I wouldn't call it a good season, but I'm seeing like, oh, life is, I'm, I'm in a better place. That's good. I wouldn't want anyone to walk away today and think, well, I just have to trust God and that's all I can do is just trust God and that's it because you got David in the Psalms of Lament saying, how long, O oh Lord, and, and pouring out his heart to him. I, I think God wants that, that intimacy with us where he's the friend that's closer than a brother that we can confide in. You got Habakkuk saying, God, what are you doing right now? And, and God actually responded to him and interacted with him in that. And so I think you raise a good point, which is be real with God, be vulnerable with him in your sadness, in your hurt, in your discouragement. What about Aaron or Amber? Anything else to add for someone that is struggling with this right now? Yeah, just to piggyback off of what you said, um, I too was a prayer editor. I would <laughs> stuff my feelings and kind of tell God what I thought he wanted to hear. And I think that my seasons of struggle really showed me how I need to also be real and authentic with God and that he can take that. And that, you know, if I'm holding back half of myself and not giving it to him, because I don't think he would like it. I mean, that's 
being disrespectful to him too and not giving him my whole self. And I mean, if you're going through a season of unanswered prayer, I wish I could hug you. I mean, that's so hard. And I also hope that you could, like we talked, touched on earlier, have some really good community in your life. Um, our small group was really instrumental for me during our miscarriage, and they were people who would let us just come and mourn and be and struggle, and they would be a safe place to do that. I didn't feel like I had to have it all together, and um, I hope as a church that we can be that for each other, that we would be open enough to bear each other's burdens and let people let people struggle and um, be with them in the midst of that. That's good. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I'm waiting for God to answer my prayers, and sometimes God's waiting for me to change in order for him to bless me. Um, so if, if I spend... Uh, enough time with my earthly father, I know what to ask and what, and what not to ask. And if I spend enough time with my heavenly father, he will teach me how to pray, uh, show me his way, and he will light up my path. That's really good. I, I hope you've been encouraged and have learned a lot from our, our talk and our discussion up here today. It's been great for me, and I hope that you've gotten a lot out of it too. As we wrap up this service today, we're not gonna have a closing song. I just wanna point you in a couple of directions. One is, if you wanna dig deeper into this topic, we have a discussion guide prepared for you at efree.org slash discussion with lots of questions and some additional thoughts there. Um, and so I would love for you to download that today, and you can talk through it with your family, with your friends. A lot of our small groups will go through these discussion guides together, which is great because as long as you watch the message, your homework is done, and then you just go and you talk through the questions there as a group, but I would encourage you to take advantage of that. Another thing I want to let you know about, if you want to give to support the ministry of First Free and the teaching that we do here, as well as all the ministry that happens, the missionaries supported overseas, the people that get helped in our community who have need, you can do that at efree.org slash give, and we really thank you for that support. And then finally, uh, we're gonna be available up here if you want to ask a question, or if you need prayer, we'll have our prayer team up here as well as us. And then for all of you who are watching online right now, if you need prayer, go to efree.org slash prayer. You can give us a prayer request there. We have a whole team of elders and staff, pastors, and um, a larger prayer team that will pray for you. We also have a prayer wall out in the lobby. You can write a prayer request on a card, stick it up there, and people will be praying for you that way. So lots of opportunities. If you need support in prayer, we want to do that for you. I want to thank all of you for being a part of this morning. I hope it's been very encouraging to you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Come up and see us. If you have any questions or need prayer, God bless. We'll see you next week. Thank you, guys.